This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball, and how about the Nats? After taking two out of three against the Mets... They shut out the Cardinals 6-0 yesterday on Monday. We're taping on Tuesday ahead of tonight's Game 2 with St. Louis. But, Danny, they've won six of their last eight. And this is not just playing the Reds and the A's, right? I mean, they're beating the Mets, who are hungry and desperate. They're beating the Cardinals. This is the best baseball they've played in a while. Anibal Sanchez is dealing. Patrick Corbin, another good start. I don't know, man. At any point in time in the first few months of the season, this would have been really nice. But, yeah, here they are. I mean, nothing to lose, playing fast and free. And, um, you know, you're watching some of the kids come up and get acclimated. Caper Ruiz, you mentioned C.J. Abrams at the top, look, starting to look more comfortable. Just it's fun. And, again, all, this isn't about competing this year. That's long possibility. That's long gone, eliminated. But what it is about is looking and, and kind of looking through binoculars and seeing maybe glimpses of the future, glimpses of fun, glimpses of building blocks. You know, Mackenzie Gore picking up a baseball, throwing some bullpens here and there. We're, we're working back or we're working towards maybe him throwing before the end of the season. You know, those kinds of things are the reason to kind of keep checking in, the reason to watch the telecast each and every night, watching some of these kids blossom. Um, you've seen Luis Garcia get hot again as he's putting bat to ball. It's it's fun right now this minute, right? Nothing to lose. And as you said, beating competitive playoff teams right now. They've got a really hard schedule down the stretch. So if they were in it, this would be something that you and I would be talking about all the time going, this could be the make or break time these next couple of weeks against these good teams. But now they're the fly in the ointment, man. They're the, you know, they're they're the turd in the punch bowl, ruining the, the the ruining the party for all these teams that are trying to go to the postseason. It's fun. All right, let's go ACJ Abrams first, the 21-year-old left-handed hitting, or I should say, uh, left-handed hitting shortstop, who is seven for his last 13 at the plate over the last three games. Two for four drove in a pair against the Mets, one for four in the final game of that series, and then four for five with two runs scored in game one against the Cardinals. And it was a loud four-hit performance, right? You could have a four-hit game, I guess, with a bunt single and a duck snort and you know maybe a fly ball that doesn't get caught or something wacky. He hit the ball off the bat, exit velocities, 107, which was an out, by the way, in his four-for-five performance, 105, 185, and 70 miles an hour in his four-hit game here in five plate appearances where he put the ball in play all five times. Really good sign, as is, as I mentioned, the seven for his last 13. Remember, he started the season with just, I should say his Nats run, not his season, but he started the the Nats part of his season 8 for 54 at the plate. So some quick math here using a calculator. That's a 148 average through 54 at bats before this 7 for 13 
Very, very good to see him getting more comfortable. We talked about this on on our, our last episode. His batting average on balls in play was comically low. So even when he was squaring it up, he was making outs. And, you know, there are no duck snorts falling in. There's no bleeders, no seeing eye singles, no swinging bunts. Those things weren't going his way. Regression in the positive direction was, was going to happen. So, you know, that's how you go 7 for 13. You could still hit a couple BBs right at people or, you know, ground out into a shift or something like that. So part of it's good luck. But the other part of it is him getting more acclimated, him getting more comfortable. It's a wonderful sign. I mean, this is what happens a lot of times to, to guys that can really do it at, at the highest levels at first it's an adjustment, man. It's a big deal. There's no higher level than this. There's no higher league. These guys are so good. They know exactly how to attack you. And until you figure out what they're doing to you and how to counteract it, there's not much that's going to happen for you. And it's starting to happen now for, for C.J. Abrams. He's you know patient, waiting back, and, and spanking the ball the other way, driving a little bit. When guys are coming pull side, he's quick to pull his hands in. I think there was a line drive base hit he had at, at, to right field um, against the Cardinals. We're taping this year Tuesday. I think it was yesterday where you just go, that was pure reaction. That wasn't a guy that was sitting on that. He was just so quick in there, got barreled a ball, and got himself another base hit uh, during a nice rally. I mean, this is... This is really, really cool to watch a young guy starting to get it in real time. And defensively, he's been awesome. Like, at times, he makes spectacular plays, plays that they haven't been able to make at shortstop in a long time, plays that most teams can't make at shortstop because of the range. He just gets the balls that a lot of players at that position can't. There have been a couple of throws here or there, some some occasional moments where it's not all clean, but you can see where they're going to have the opportunity to be plus defensively at one of the two most important positions on the field to be above average, in my opinion, at shortstop. And then by kicking Luis Garcia over, he's been much better. I mean, he's actually now looking like a decent major league fielder. I, I was joning a couple weeks ago because right after he moved to second base, I think one of his first games there was the Cade Cavalli start. Yep. And he pulled Abrams off the bag with a terrible throw. But as the sample has grown here, he, he, he looks more comfortable quicker than I thought he would. And it has worked. I mean, the, the turns around the bag, some of the pivots, some of the things he's doing. It has been successful. He made a spectacular play defensively in the day game against the A's that I was at uh, going back to Thursday last week on getaway day where it was just ridiculous. He had a terrible game at the plate. I mean, he was just out of sync all day. But I remember I was sitting next to I brought my uncle to the game, and he said, man, that guy's awesome defensively, huh? (laughs) And I was like – yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, I was no, like, oh, right. we'll just we'll just give Luis this moment. But he he really has looked up on that side of the ball. He certainly has. And second base is a more forgiving position for for a million reasons. You just have more time. It's easier to react. You don't have to. You know what's what's super challenging about the left side of the infield is a lot of time a ball will catch you flat footed. Whether especially at third base, this happens an awful lot, and that's why a lot of guys have struggled to go from short to third, where you've got to generate your own momentum. Right where you've got to make that throw across the diamond, and a lot of times if a ball's you know a, a, a one hopper or something in between or has you ranging backwards or, or anything like that, your momentum's away from where you're actually going. Getting your feet started again and then making an accurate strong throw as you're trying to muscle up and hurry up is a challenge. It is a really really difficult thing to do. So second base, you can be flat footed, you can flick at sidearm, you can you know be on the run, and it's just everything about it is easier. Now it's weird because it's a mirror image. It's you know it's sort of you know like learning um, 
uh, I don't even know how to uh, learn how to do something in the mirror. I, I know that's not a very good analogy. I used mirror twice there in, in the first uh, sentence describing it. But once you get over that fact and that your viewpoint is a little bit different than, than what you were just doing from uh, from shortstop, it's just a more forgiving, easier position to manage. And I think that's going to benefit Garcia greatly where you don't have to be complicated. Whereas at shortstop, you kind of do. You've got to make a wider array of plays and it, you know because there's just less time for uh, a, a shortstop to be able to you know, get to a ball, get rid of it, et cetera. Second base, again, is more forgiving than that. So that's good to see. That's where he should be. He, I, I'm, God bless him for, for trying to find something. And it just if it meant I saw less of Alcides Escobar at shortstop, I was cool with that because not only did he not hit, but he was making some errors too. Let Luis Garcia screw up up there. I don't know what they saw. That said, yeah, he's a shortstop. I think it was just sort of by default they wanted him in the major leagues and they were going to see if he could do it. I think deep down in their heart of hearts, you give him some true serum, I think they know very well that he was not a shortstop, but but who knows? That's just me speculating. But yeah, it's it's been good to see and um, uh, watching him get comfortable at this level. Again, it's just watching these kids sort of find a way with nothing to lose. Now the next step is, can you play well when there is something to lose? He had committed an error every 17 or so chances at shortstop. He's had 30 so far at second, and he's been errorless. He's turned six double plays. He's uh, got nine putouts and uh, 21 assists, but 30 total chances now. So the sample's not close to what it was at short where he had 210, but he committed 13 errors at that time, had a 938 fielding percentage as a shortstop, and so far he's got a 1,000 fielding percentage as a second baseman. He's only a year older than C.J. Abrams. I mean, we should keep mentioning this, and I try to as often as I can. He's 22 years old. He's one of the 10 youngest players in baseball. And offensively, he's had a really good year. He's hitting 295. He's, you know, does not walk is the problem. So his on-base and his batting average are way too close together, and it keeps his OPS down. Like, his his on-base is barely over 300. And because of that, his OPS is 440, where if if his... uh, on-base percentage was up around 350 or something, which is what you'd expect for a top-of-the-order guy hitting close to 300, then his slug would probably be in the vicinity of 800. You know, it would really be a high good number, and, and that just hasn't been the case. There's a couple questions with his offensive profile. It looks like the bat-to-ball skills are there, and he hits the ball hard enough. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he's got a chance to really hit at this level, which is exciting. I do have some question eventually about the power, but I'll say this, Danny. If he's at second instead of short, then all of a sudden, if it's 17 to 20 homers instead of you know 25 to 30 or whatever, it's funny to say this because 10 years ago, 15 years ago, shortstops didn't need to hit for power. <laughs> right. But if, if you're hitting upper teens home runs at second, that plays. Like, that works. Not everyone is, is going to be hitting 35 home runs like Altuve in his prime with the Astros at that position. And you look at his last seven games, he's got a couple home runs. Uh, He's slugging 625 in his last 15 games. His OPS is actually up around 800. He's got a 450 slug. He's got uh, those two bombs to go along with a 300 batting average. He's hitting 300 with a 450 slug and a 330-plus on base over the last 15. So he's been consistent, but I, I think my big questions on offense are, can he draw more walks and just get on base at a better clip? Or is this kind of who he's going to be where he never walks? And then secondly, the slug. You know, what kind of home run total are we talking about? Because if, if you're 290 without power, that, that's very different than if you're 290 and you can hit 25 home runs. I don't know if he's a 25 homer guy. 
And I don't need him to be. No, no, I know. Well, let's say it's 18 to 20. With the, you know, a couple years ago, everyone hit 20 to 25 with those baseballs. Yep. It's different now. But if, if he's almost 20 homers and he hits 290 at second base, that that's a good ball player. There's enough. And again, you, you pointed this out, rightly so. I'm reminding. He's, he's 22 years old. A couple of those no-doubters, like that one against the Mets, just an absolute nuke. That's a grown man home run. That's not a... Hey, I'm, you know, I, I ran into one Cesar Hernandez style hitting a wall scraper, right? This is absolutely touched. Bombs. And absolutely like when bomb. he hits them, they're, they're destroyed. Which tells me that there's more there, right? Like if you can do that, it means you can hit one at 90% and have it go out. You can hit one at 79% if you get the right launch angle and maybe squeak one out of, out of a ballpark, et cetera. I do. I think, he, I think he's a 20 homer guy. And your question about will he walk more, you know, one is more than zero. I don't think he's ever going to be a true, you know, spit on a bunch of close pitches, walk a ton type hitter. I think that's who he is. I think he's a he's a he's a guy that's going to have to hit his way on. So you know that will limit some of his offensive upside. But I still think there's a place for that in in Major League Baseball. It may not be as a top of the order table setter, but it may be a guy that you know the most important thing is the ball being in play with a runner on second, runner on third. Uh, where you know walking isn't necessarily as helpful as being able to you know put barrel to baseball and, and drive it somewhere or, you know sack flies and, and the like. There's room for RBI men that that don't get on base at, at the same clip. It's not ideal, but when you talk about it, that profile of an okay second baseman hitting uh, you know 280 to 300 in given years with 20 homers, I, I think a lot of teams would take that, and that's a pretty good foundation. Kbert Ruiz, let's talk about the 24 year old catcher. So he homered again. And he's shown more power for sure here over the last few weeks. Remember, early on in the season, he did not homer in April. He hit one in May, one in June, one in July. And that was a big storyline coming out of the break was this guy's just not driving the ball. Well, he had three home runs in August, and he's got one already here in September. So four since the start of last month, uh, which, you know, if you look at, again, three homers through four months and then four in a month and change. Pretty good sign for him, I would say, as he's starting to slug the ball a little bit more. Ruiz on the season is hitting 253. If you hit 253 with power, you're an upper echelon hitting catcher. I mean, frankly, like if, if you're in the 250s and you're driving the ball, the problem is he hasn't really. So the fact that his RBI total is tiny, I, I don't care about 36 runs batted in for a terrible team. You're, you're a young player that you're, they're going to struggle in that area. But if he finishes the season around 10 home runs, let's say he hit three in August. He's already got the one here a week into September. Let's say he hits another two or three, and he can have a 10-homer season going into August where he only had three. I think that really starts to show what the Nationals assumed they were going to get from him offensively as a guy who could be a 15-18 home run catcher who has the bat-to-ball skills to hit a little bit. I love Cabo Ruiz. I love him. I love watching him receive. I love watching him catch and throw. I love watching him play. It seems like every day. Uh, I love watching you know those smooth. You're not going to throw me a cookie, so I'll just drill a ball to left center like he did uh, yesterday uh, against the Cardinals as we record this here on Tuesday. The swing is smooth. You're touching on it. We, we've been hammering this for a while. I really and truly believe the power is coming. And maybe it's starting to. I hope it is. I mean, that two-homer game obviously pretends well uh, that I think it was last month uh, in Chicago. But I don't know, again, that he's ever going to be Buster Posey or anything like that in terms of offensive impact. But the swing is smooth. The bat-to-ball is still there. I love that it's in play. I really do think this guy is going to hit at a, at a pretty high level. And you could see the trust that Davey Martinez has in him, despite other guys maybe being hotter at the plate. He's still basically been a middle-of-the-order bat. 
um, for them, knowing that, hey, if there is a runner on base, that this guy's, again, going to put the ball in play and not punch out, which is kind of underrated and valuable, I think, for a team that's scrambling to score runs at times. I, I am such a huge fan of his. I love the way he approaches the game. There was a story in the Washington Post this weekend about how he's now super or, or you know, kind of getting way more involved with pitching coaches and, and game plans and the scouting reports and sort of taking ownership of this kind of thing. I, I love this dude. And it's one of those things where it may not be as sexy all the time. It may not be, you know, all-star stuff in terms of some of the numbers he puts up. But this is a winning-type player. And I think we kind of underrate it because it's not fantasy stats and it's not as flashy for him. But just watching the intricacies and some of the nuances of this guy as he grows, I'm thrilled with Cabo Ruiz. Yeah, he's thrown out 20 runners this season, which is one of the highest totals in baseball. And we talk about that a lot. Now, they've also allowed he, not they, has allowed 51 base stealers. Mm -hmm. The they part of it is a lot of that is on the pitching staff as well. So you're talking about, if if my math is correct, 20 out of 71, looking those numbers up, it was like 28% that he's thrown out, which is not as high as you'd like, right? The really good catchers throwing guys out, you went up closer to 40%. And, And maybe that part of it will come too. Again, he's thrown a lot of runners out. They have a ton of guys on base against this pitching staff. (laughs) And, you know, the pitching staff hasn't been great at at helping him in that regard. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One guy I'd like to point out at the catching position, though, is Israel Pineda, who's now in AAA. He's had a hell of a season in the minor leagues for the Nationals. He's 22 years old. He started the season at Wilmington, and he's bounced three levels. Uh, In the A-plus league, he had 67 games, and he hit about 265 with eight home runs. Then they bumped him up to double-A for 26 games, and he hit 280 with seven home runs. Man. Then they bumped him up to triple-A, and he's been there for four games so far, and he's he's uh, already hit his first triple-A home run. He's just two for his first 13 at the plate. But he'll begin next year at triple-A as a 22-year-old, and this is a guy, Danny, that annually has done a really good job throwing runners out as well. I'm looking up the numbers right now for this season. He has caught 30 of 75 this wow. year in the minor leagues. And it's harder to steal base, excuse me, easier to steal bases, harder to catch guys. That's right. Th- this Limited year in the minors. throwovers, pitch clock, etc. Exactly. Yeah. That's a 40% clip. 30 out of 75 for yeah. Israel Pineda. If you go back to last year, uh, he caught 27 of 67. You do that math. That is a 40% clip. I mean, this is kind of where he's been in the minor leagues. The year before that, in 2019, he caught 32 of 73. You do that math, that's 44%. 
So he has routinely thrown out a high number of, of base stealers. He's a pretty big guy. He's about six foot and 190 pounds. And he's got some pop that's really come on this year in a way that I didn't anticipate. We're talking about 16 homers, an OPS now of 800. Now, ideally and obviously, K. Barrett Ruiz just takes flight, no questions asked. He's your catcher for a long time. But I guess all I would say is check out Israel Pineda early next season in AAA. If he's hitting 275 and he's got nine homers through you know, the first half of the season or something mm-hmm. like that, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they didn't, at his age 23 year, try to get him to the big leagues. And then you got to figure out, can one of those guys do something else to help you out? Just good occasionally to have a prospect you're not really counting on become something. I'm not saying Pineda will, but I thought it'd be a good time to throw him into the pod. It's a it's a great point, and this is the thing that they need more than anything else. Obviously, the 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 stars, the the marquee guys at the top of the board, have to be stars, right, for you to be back to where you want to be in a really tough division. But you need your Spencer Striders. You need your guy that that nobody counted on that turns into this unbelievable boon, right? Remember, when it was prospect time, it was all about Victor Robles. It was Victor Robles, Victor Robles, Victor Robles. It wasn't as much about Juan Soto. Now, internally, they'll tell you they knew how great Juan Soto was. But, you know, we're sort of sitting here going, yeah, it sounds good. He's hitting at A ball or he's hitting at double A. That, that's cool. Well, of course, he comes up and takes the league by storm, and, you know, the rest is history. You need more bonus fines. You need more guys that come in that are fifth-round picks, seventh-round picks, eighth-round picks. When was the last time they had somebody that kind of jumped up and, and surprised us all? And it, what not for a day or a week or a month, but for, for months at a time, it really helped the ball club. I, I can't honestly think of it. They've had you know moments where, where Jackson Tetro threw well in two starts and he's been hurt. But over the last decade plus, again, it's, it's part of their drafting, part of their developmental problems, where they just haven't had those guys that kind of came out of nowhere. And I know we're about to talk about it that came out of nowhere, but I'm talking about among young players that – that you need in order to kind of maintain elite-level organizations. Yeah. I mean, the guy that came out of nowhere, to your point, is Manessis, but he's not a prospect. And we're getting probably right now the best that we're going to get out of Joey Manessis, very likely. Having said that, my goodness, has this been fun. So I told you I was at that day game, the getaway day against the A's, and that was, I think, on Thursday afternoon at Nats Park last week. That was the game where Joey Manessis hit a walk-off home run in the 10th inning. They're down a run, and he hit a three-run bomb in the 10th. And I got to tell you, it was such a treat to be at that game. Such a joyous experience. I was there with my dad and my uncle. We had great seats. I stayed the entire game, and and we got our money's worth, man. A couple of times over, you know, it's two terrible teams. It was hot out. It was, you know, the businessman special. So now you're looking at your clock. You're going, okay, if I leave now, I get home at 8.30. I believe now I get home at 930. They get a long drive. But we stayed, and uh, it was worth it. Their first walk-off win of the year. What a moment for Manessis. Ten years in the making to get mobbed at home plate. But he's just kept it up, man. He had three hits in the Cardinals day one, uh, game one of their series yesterday on, on Labor Day. So now he's hitting 339. That's 40 for 118 at the plate. He has 40 hits in his first 29 games. Continues to shatter his Nats records with how much he's getting on base with the bat. But while hitting 339, the OPS at 940, mm. there was a graphic I saw yesterday, and I wish I would have saved it. But it was a juxtaposition since the Soto trade yes. of what Manessis has done and what Soto's done. And this is just kind of fun now because we don't have to worry about you know the fact that Juan Soto's scuffling a bit. 
uh, he's actually been good with the Padres, but he's not driving the ball. He's a lot of walks and getting on base and stuff like that. But Joey Manessis has outperformed Juan Soto since the trade deadline when they called him up to help replace Soto and Bell. And it's it's just continuing. It's so fun. I'm, I'm getting texts probably every couple of days now from either friends in baseball or people that are Nats fans about this guy. And they're going, is this real or is he going to be on the team next year? Can he keep this up? What's the future of Joey Manessis? He has been the talk of the Nationals. One of the talks of baseball, too. I, I mean, for, if, if there is such a thing for a team that's, you know. Yeah, he was on MLB Network. Yeah, you know, one of the, among the worst records in the sport, if not still the worst, as, as we're recording this. But he's acquired more war, accumulated more war than Soto and Bell combined uh, since the, since the, since that trade, as Bell's just gone into a terrible funk. I like Josh Bell a lot, but I, and I feel for the guy. But, man, oh, man, has it just been fun. I mean, nobody's saying that Joey Manessis is better than Josh Bell or better than Juan Soto. What we are saying is this is what's happened. And all it is is a great ride, right? This is the roller coaster. You waited a long time for something fun, and the, the fun thing is happening. I'm not as worried about sustainability. I think we all know, you know, gravity will happen. He'll come back down to earth. Pitchers will figure some things out. Opposing pitching coaches. I mean, the amount that goes into every pitch that's thrown in, in Major League Baseball with advanced scouting and the dollars and the spins and the cameras and all the different things that we know now, they're going to find some weaknesses. And they're going to make him do things that he's not, you know. Uh, the best at right now in this moment. And of course there'll be some adjustments and regression, but all I know is that I have to watch him hit when he's up. I watch, I sort of stop what I'm doing. You know, if my kid needs help with his homework or, or, or my youngest needs, you know, more ketchup for his chicken nuggets after Joy Manessis bats, young man, we're going to have, we're going to hit pause on our life and watch this guy. That's incredible for a 30 year old rookie, you know, just over a month in, in, into his time here in the show. Yeah, it's been great to see him and Ildemaro Vargas, both of whom have kind of played their way into the mix, I would say, to to be on the team next season. Uh, you have to, at this point, expect that both Vargas, who has also been a steadying influence defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about that they've gotten better at shortstop, but by getting better at short with Abrams, who's better than Escobar and certainly Garcia. By kicking Garcia to second, I don't know that they've upgraded there, but you've now got him in the lineup playing at a level that is rosterable defensively. And at third base, Michael Franco has been replaced by Ildemaro Vargas, who's done a pretty good job fielding the baseball. By the way, hitting 306 with an 800 OPS. Only the three home runs on a ton of power, I think six doubles, but he has been very consistent as well. And so The question about what are these guys, look, when this team is good again and when you're winning 90-plus games, Joey Manessis and Ildemaro Vargas are not playing every day. They're probably not in the big leagues, but if they are, they're bench players. At the start of next year, could they be starting for this team? Yeah, if they don't spend money, if the new owner comes in here and is just kind of a spectator during the offseason, if you're going to be bad again, there's no reason why those two guys can't be on this team next year. Well, When you talk about really good teams, again, think, so many things have to happen, have to break right for you to be really good for 162 games, really you know, seven, eight months as attrition and the grind find you. Go back to 2012. We remember the headliners, right? We remember, you know, uh, when Bryce Harper came up and Ryan Zimmerman's year. And we remember, you know, everyone from Strasburg to to Jordan Zimmerman. What we don't remember is that they got huge hits and and game winning plays from guys like Tyler Moore, who I think had double digit home runs for that team. Dudes like Chad Tracy came up multiple times and had huge moments. That kind of stuff has to happen. So 
are these guys everyday players that are going to accumulate, you know, 30 homers and hit over 300 and play really good defense like Vargas is? No, of course not. Nobody's saying that. But do they belong? Are they helpful in in a group that's that's trying to do something? Yeah. Would you like to do better than this guy? Absolutely. Right? As as they did try to. And if you're not able to find a legitimate replacement, you could do a lot worse than kind of having a nice glue guy that's been through the ringer a little bit. All right, a couple of thoughts on starting pitchers, and then we'll get Matt Wyrick on. So on Corbin, he skipped a start after getting knocked out in the first inning. Remember, it was two times and three starts. Against the Dodgers, two-thirds of an inning, seven hits, six earned runs. And then the Phillies, two-thirds of an inning, five hits, six earned runs. So then they skipped him. He had 10 days basically between starts. Since then, six innings, four runs earned against the Cubs. Five and a third. Now there were nine hits against the Padres, but only two runs allowed somehow. He was Houdini that day. And then six innings of two-run ball, only one of them earned with four hits against Cincinnati, which was as good as we've seen him now in a long time, probably since he went eight innings, one run against the Pirates in June. So three consecutive starts. Again, I don't play the Patrick Corbin is back game. That's not really a thing right now. I just want him to be good enough to be rotationable, to to be uh, serviceable in the rotation so they don't have to skip him or be in the bullpen. And he has figured something out. What was amazing was against the Reds, and we'll do a deeper dive in him maybe next pod. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Corbin, but it was pretty much all Mm two-seamers. Like in the past – His best pitch, his only plus pitch, is his slider, so he'll just throw that almost more than anyone else in baseball in terms of a percentage of sliders thrown. His start against uh, the Mets, I guess it was, was the seven innings, three hits, and one run. So it's it's actually been now four starts, and he's been good in three of them. Six innings against the Cubs, six against the Reds, seven against the Mets, three hits and a run, really, really good, and it's two straight good outings against Cincinnati and New York. Point being, it was mostly two-seamers against the Mets. Very, very surprising because that's a pitch that normally gets rocked for him, but maybe they weren't expecting it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you on a number of fronts. One, I'm, I will not do the is Patrick Corbin back. We did that two different times over the course of this year and got lit on fire each time. I'm not doing that. But I will say, here's what we've seen over his last few starts. This, 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 maybe this version, they did find something. Maybe this version, they said, this is how you can sort of minimize damage. The ball's going to be in play a bit more. I mean, if he gets ahead, that the slider could still be put away when it's right. But everybody, for the most part, has to reinvent themselves. Guys at the major league level. I, 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 the, there, there are a million different examples, but Anibal Sanchez is a great example, who we'll talk about here in a second. When he first came up, he was mid-90s. He's not that now. He is throwing butterfly change-ups and EFIS pitches, and, and you know he, he's had Harris from Major League putting Stein on the ball. Right, other guy. Most guys have to do that. Some guys are freaks. Some guys are Randy Johnson. Some guys are, are Max Scherzer, who can still be power pitchers late into their upper thirties. Patrick Corbin is not blowing people away anymore. So, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to keep you know stubbornly just going with the same pitch mix that has gotten you to the tune of an ERA over eight, or are you going to try to find a way to do some weak contact and get deeper into games and and do something else different? And he's done that here of late. I'm hoping that they did finally find something with that. Uh, start skip, but you know, listen, it's not easy to go out and get your brains beat in every fifth day for a team that stinks when you're making a ton of money. Now, nobody should feel sorry for him because he's a world champion, he's a pro athlete, and he's the one that's struggling. But I'm just saying, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do to get your teeth kicked in. So there's a there's a degree of grit and admiration that I have for guys that are to keep plugging away and maybe find some stuff out. So You know, such as it is, I'm actually kind of happy for the guy uh, here of late that he's finally found some success. Who knows if it's sustainable? My bet is probably not. But 
as you're going to lead the universe in losses and, and you know, you're basically called into question each and every day, it's kind of nice to have some validation and some reward saying, no, no, I can still do this at a pretty good level. You mentioned Anibal Sanchez, so I'll just give him some quick kudos. Uh, he's been really good last few trips through the rotation. Against the Cards on Monday, five scoreless innings, allowed just two hits. Now, it doesn't strike anybody out. It's all pitch into contact. Three strikeouts in those five innings. Uh, he went seven innings of three-hit, one-run ball against the A's in the start before that, struck out four. Uh, before that, he was four and a third against the Mariners in Seattle, two hits and no runs. And then at San Diego, start before that, it was five innings of one-hit, one-run run ball. So really, it's been four straight really good outings for him. I I would take the start before that where he gave up three runs in five innings against the Padres. Before that, it was five innings, four runs against the Cubs. I mean, that's all workable stuff from Anibal Sanchez. Again, it's a shame that, you know, you've got to have him pitch every five days. With all due respect to him, that should be Tatro. That should be Evan Lee. That should be Cade Cavalli. You know, you want young up-and-coming pitchers to be benefiting from those innings and and learning for next year. But if you're going to have him in the rotation, which is kind of a necessity at this point, it feels like you might as well get some results, and they have done that. So congrats to him. You know, he worked his butt off after being at a baseball last year, and that's a feel-good story for a guy that was a World Series hero in D.C. All right, let's talk to Matt Wyrick, NBCSportsWashington.com. He covers all of these games. Uh, Let's get a little bit uh, more insight and get a little deeper taking out the shovel with Matt Wyrick on the Nats coming down the stretch.